game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It it's automatic owner's manual. It it it's automatic D dynasty. It it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: C Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Owners Manual Podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Chris Allen, Chris Allen FFWX, and also kind of my other two co-hosts. Uh, the Devi Owners Manual crew has decided to join us today and grace us with their Devi presence because that's all important this time of year. I mean, they're way ahead of us. So uh, let's start with Dwight. Dwight, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be back on with you guys. I, I've missed talking to you guys, man. It seems like there for a while you know after we, we met in canton and just i just yeah i just miss you guys man it's like it's been a while <laughs> yeah man and we're welcoming well welcoming in pete pete how are you doing man oh it's great dude anytime anytime you get to talk football and it's good to talk with uh i think chris this is the first time we've talked uh in person i believe so yeah man so i i appreciate you signing on with uh with dwight uh to kind of you know bring Devi owners manual like back back up and running so um uh thank you both actually for taking the time tonight because it's been a while since we've done a little crossover episode uh for those that are you know kind of interested in taking both the dynasty and uh, devi aspects and i think this is the perfect time is time of the off season or the uh, hashtag non-point scoring season to to do something like that so i uh, appreciate both y'all for taking the time yeah, it's very cool. This is the time of year where we kind of merge together, right? I mean, the Debbie guys have been doing the work for quite a while on these guys now, but uh, they're about to take the next step into the NFL. So this is where you guys, uh, I guess you kind of get to reap your rewards here. I mean, you guys are years ahead of everybody on these guys, right? These are guys you've drafted probably two, three years ago. There's a few, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say there's a, a couple guys I've drafted in a couple of Debbie leagues and been paying too much attention to. Uh, you know, guys, you got you got really excited for when you heard about them on two four seven sports. Uh, you know, going up through the recruiting stuff. So true. Hey, Pete, what's the earliest you've ever drafted somebody into a Debbie league? Um, I a couple just right out of high school. Right so, out of high school. Yeah, um, I think uh, Zamir White. I, I've had him right the moment he came since high school. Um, yeah, a couple guys like that. What about you, Dwight? Right. I've got a league where we actually have high schoolers. I think the earliest I've ever gone is a junior in high school. So <laughs> that's fantastic. That's it's wild, slightly man. creepy. Like I, I'm, I'm looking up high school guys, honey. I mean, it's not weird or anything. That, that is so wild to me. <laughs> that's so strange. While I was watching huddle film against my opponents, there were older men in front of uh, Mike's watching huddle films on me. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So today we're going to get into the first round of rookie uh, rookies coming out. And uh, we're also going to do a quick mock. It hasn't been death by mock 
quite yet, so we're going to jump on early. Uh, the first question I have, though, we're all going to go through this, is uh, who is your favorite first-round rookie for 2020? It can be early, it can be late, and we're also talking super flex today. Dwight, who is your favorite first-round rookie? A guy that I, I'm going to really aggressively target is C.D. Lamb. I just absolutely love everything about his game. Love that I have this like a uh, kind of I'm always drawn to the alpha dog receiver, the guy that just is kind of like old school, you know, that goes up, gets the ball, has that fight, that nasty attitude, that you know, if it's thrown within my postal code, I'm going to get it. And I just love that about him, and I love his run after the catch. He's not going to test as great as some of these other guys, but. I just love so much about him. He's a guy that, I mean, if I get out of the first round with, I'm happy. Um, so I'm aggressively, aggressively targeting C.D. Lamb. If I'm later in the draft, um, Justin Jefferson's another one. And if I'm later in the first round and C.D.'s gone, I like Justin Jefferson's game a whole lot. A really good possession receiver that ha- runs routes well and can do just about everything. Uh, drastically underrated, I believe, and you might even be able to get him into the second round, so it's probably cheating a little bit. But I'll go CD as my one that I'm really, really trying to get. And Pete, who are you looking forward in the first round? For me, it's it's Cam Akers. Uh, you, you know, he's not he's not Swift, he's not Taylor, uh, but I think he's gonna he's gonna land in a really good spot probably in your on day two, and I rate it. Uh, you're talking about a guy who has just been stuck behind a terrible offensive line at Florida State, and now you're going to put him behind actual run blockers, actual NFL talented players. So I'm really excited to see what he does at the next level. And, Pete, what's the earliest you'd be willing to draft uh, Akers in a super flex? Uh, you know, I'm probably going to say you're going to want to take a quarterback, probably Burrow or Tua before him. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to take, uh, you know, Dwight's guy, CD Lamb before him. Yeah. And right now, as much as I like Cam Akers, he's still probably right behind Taylor, right, right behind Swift. So I think in the middle, middle of round one, you're going to get a steal and he's going to be a solid player. So he's your RB2 then? I have him just back behind uh, Swift and Taylor. Okay, RB3. Okay. All right, Chris, who's your favorite uh, first-round talent this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for everybody that's, uh, like, heard us talking over the past, like, few weeks in terms of dino content, uh, everybody knows that uh, C.D. Lamb, he was my he was my wide receiver one. Um, after, uh, like, a quick uh, film study that I did on him, like, at least in with uh, his connection to Kyler Murray before Murray came out, uh, it was, uh, like, C.D. Lamb, like, all the way because uh, yeah. my – I thought it was great to see how he was still able to excel as a wide receiver prospect without without having somebody like Hollywood like running alongside of him. So to see him still continue to dominate targets and like dominate uh, you know out on the field, I feel that like that was like a huge like a huge boost for his stock to see him still continue to excel. Uh, but since um, uh, but since like Dwight like already kind of stole him from me, um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll point out uh, I'll point out Jalen Rager. Uh, I think after okay. our after our discussion with Curtis Patrick and like me kind of digging a little bit more into Rager and like what he was able to accomplish, I mean I'm really starting to I'm really starting to dig uh, like his like the the idea of well if you if you have a if you have a prospect that was able to perform at least at a similar level to some of the guys that we're talking about uh, like at least from a wide receiver standpoint but he was able to break out like a year earlier if you look at his uh, his breakout age he broke out at like 19 and most of these other guys that we're looking at they broke out at 20 
And if you if you know me, you know I'm like an analytically minded person, and I like digging into stuff like that. And I mean, you hear the great Peter Howard, you hear Jesse Reeves. I mean, you hear anybody over at Rotoviz. I mean, any anybody that's analytically inclined, they'll tell you that. I mean, if somebody has broken out, like the earlier you break out, the better. That's a greater indicator of what you can do in the NFL. And so if you're telling me that Rager was able to produce on a similar level to some of these guys that were holding in high regard, the Jeffersons, the Judys, I mean, the CD, like those guys, but he broke out like a year earlier and I might be able to get him like slightly later than those other guys. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm starting to buy the hype. I mean, and it's, it's slowly building, which is great. Hopefully it kind of falls off so I can still get him a good value, like in the, in my rookie drafts. But either way, I think Rager is somebody that a lot of folks, I'm sure we'll be seeing more and more highlights of him right. like as the, as the process continues. But he's somebody that's now a bigger part of my process than if he would have asked me the same question probably even like two or three weeks ago. Sure. And I'm going to take the easy one just because I believe that he needs to be talked about. Joe Burrow is my favorite. and. The, the reason he's my favorite, he's going to be everyone's 101, basically. And, but I'm really excited for him to play with Zach Taylor in his second year. I believe that Zach Taylor has the ability to be creative. I don't know that he necessarily accomplished that when he was kind of going back and forth with Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton last year. But A.J. Green coming back could be very huge for Joe Burrow. And then John Ross being a little speeder, speedster on the other side, and then Tyler Boyd, that gives him three legitimate weapons to work with. And then not to mention, as as much as I give crap to Joe Mixon, he's improved in pass protection, uh, which is huge for a rookie quarterback. And he did pretty well to finish out the year. I'm, I'll, I'll give him that as well. So for whatever that, that's worth, having a productive running back has to be at least a little helpful for you know a rookie quarterback. So that's going to be my guy. Like, uh, let's let's go one more round through, and this time we're going to do late first. So it can even be those French second-round guys, kind of like Jefferson when uh, Dwight hit on that a little bit earlier. Pete, can you give us our late first, uh, early second guy that we should be looking out for? Uh, you know, what if I went later? Um, I'm, I'm a fan here up in the Pacific Northwest, the University of Washington Huskies, Savan Ahmed. I, I firmly believe he's going to run the fastest 40 time at the combine Fast for, for the any runs? running back. Oh, for the running, uh, running back. Running back, okay. running back, yeah, running yeah, back. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. So, I, I, you know, he's a great, great young man. I've had the chance to meet him a few times. And I'm just really excited to see what he does. I, I've followed him since high school. I got to watch him play back, uh, you know, when he was a young high schooler. Um, just an incredible athlete, a lot of fun. Um, I think high school would have taken a lot more notice uh, had his coaching been a little different. Uh, his... Uh, coaching philosophy in high school was not the best it was uh it was just a read option but they didn't have any passing off of it so anytime you would watch him in his high school games the corners and the safeties didn't even just watch the wide receivers they just blitz right away and they're coming down mm. all right i like Ackman a lot too um a guy that i've been watching more of i've been cutting up tape and doing stuff like that is Keyshawn vaughn he's a guy that i love his skill set and i love everything he does when he has the ball he was admired on a terrible terrible offense this year like barkley would say terrible man terrible <laughs> um and you just just love watching him play and if he gets in the right system where they can let him just go like he can catch the ball he's so elusive and quick and i just i love love watching him he's a guy i'll be targeting a lot in the second round so Keyshawn vaughn for me and is there anybody that sticks out for you chris or 
Um, I would say that uh, for, for me, like in if it's the late first, like early second, we'll see how far he starts to shoot up. Because I mean, this for some reason this class seems to be, and it, it might be typical for a lot of other years, but this class seems to be just like completely filled with like dudes out of LSU. I mean, we already talked about Burrow, <laughs> Jefferson's already up there. I mean, uh, I mean, and now I'm gonna, I got to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, I, I well, first off, I have to give props to our man J Mike. Uh, did you see his tweet that he put out? This is maybe like a couple weeks ago when he said he was like going through uh, some of Clyde's tape and he was just laughing at the fact he was making dudes look silly, post a funny gif. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire actually saw the tweet and actually like retweeted it. Like I was just like that. That was hilarious to me. But uh, yeah, shout out to J. Mike. We love you. Uh, but either way, I mean, I think he I mean, he checks off a lot of the boxes that you would want for like a, a running back prospect. I mean, I mean, great rusher. I mean, he has most of the traits that you want there. Decent contact balance, good agility, great burst. Uh, I mean, he's also involved in the passing game. I think he meets that threshold, that minimum threshold that you would want for a running back to be involved in the passing game. I want to say something like just over like 50, uh, 50 receptions this past like this past season. Uh, so. I mean, coming from a great system, like and we saw what they were able to do, like uh, LSU was able to accomplish this past season. So assuming he winds up in a good spot, he's somebody that I'm targeting. You know, once you get past the, the Dobbins, the Akers, the Swifts and all that, like he is somebody that I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking for. You know, somebody that I've been really excited about up until now, but not so much recently was Eno Benjamin. And uh, perhaps the Debbie guys will be able to chime in on this a little bit. He's really dropped a value. He was supposed to be one of those top guys. But from what I've seen of him so far, he's quick. He's not really fast. He doesn't really have the long speed. And he's slightly undersized. But I just I love that quick to twitch out of Eno Benjamin. And he he was able to do it for years. I mean, he really carried the load at, at Arizona State. So... I'm not really sure where the where we're missing the love here, but I think it might have to do with the long speed being uh, not quite there and just the lack of size. Pete, do you have anything on Eno Benjamin, why we shouldn't be uh, drafting him in the first round this year? Uh, I think it's just the, the, the number of other players you're talking about. Sure. Um, Superflex, obviously, you know, you got a couple of quarterbacks that are going to land in round one. Uh, everybody that you're talking about, a wide receiver, Lamb, Judy, Chenault, um, Rugs probably going to get in there. Higgins, maybe. Um, Edwards, depending on how he does. Chris was talking about breakout age, and his is stellar through the roof. Um, I, I think he's just kind of going to be right out there. Uh, you know, a little bit of the Pac-12 kind of, of uh, hate that exists. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, he should have been the Heisman uh, a few years back, but it went to, you know, Alabama favorite. And so I, I think he just kind of falls falls by the wayside of maybe just a lot of people haven't seen him. Uh, he does get kind of a little bit of a shade because of the the speed, but he's got a really sick uh, spin move. He's he's great um, out of the backfield as far as receiving. And if you saw, you know, and Keel Harry making adjustments to some of the the balls these quarterbacks have thrown him, you know, same thing for Eno. Sure, sure. Right, I was I was actually watching him earlier against Michigan State and just some of the moves that he has when he gets the ball is crazy. His line is really, really bad. And he's doing jump cuts three yards deep in the backfield just because he's got to avoid the guys. So you see a lot that you do like about him, like the lateral quickness. Um, he's incredibly good with the ball, especially out of the backfield catching. So someone's going to find him and use him well, but I think he'll ultimately probably be more of a three down change of pace guy. Mm-hmm. But you, you see yeah. the things there that could possibly be a lead back in the right system so sure, sure. Like 
All right, guys. So we're going to switch over to a, a little bit of a Debbie format here. So you guys are going to be schooling us here. Uh, we got two questions for Debbie before we get to the sweet mock that everybody's going to be excited about. Uh, Dwight, the first thing I want to talk about is what position should we be targeting in 2021? It's all about the wide receivers, baby. The wide receivers are just silly, silly, silly good next year. And you got and most of the Debbie mocks that I've done up until this point, like four of the top six guys are all wide receivers. You got your Jamar Chase, Rondale Moore, Justin Ross, Rashad Bateman. I mean, those guys are all like legitimate wide receiver ones in the NFL. And you know, those are those are like your top six or seven guys. Those are in Debbie draft right now, those guys are all going like right away. Unless it's super flexed and you know you got your big name quarterbacks, your your fields and your Lawrence, but it's definitely wide receivers. Um, is there anybody else that, that you would target, Pete? You know I mean, and other than the wide receivers, uh, I think you made a great point there. Next year in twenty twenty one, even in rookie drafts, especially super flex, you're going to go probably Lawrence Fields one two. Then you're talking about Jamar Chase. Then you're talking Rondale Moore. Um, Maybe Justin Ross. And then if you're a running back fan, you're sitting there and you're going to be you're mm-hmm. just going to sit there and just take Travis Etienne, who is probably going to be a top three guy this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chubba Hubbard, uh, continue on down. You know, you got dudes like Jalen Weddle, Najee uh, Harris, Najee, mm-hmm. Seth Williams, uh, Max Borgie out of Borgie. Washington State. So there's there's just a ton of dudes in 2021. It, it's going to be another one of those big drafts. And then, you know, 2022, you got, you know, uh, North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell coming out, and it, it's just it's a great time to uh, to be doing Devi stuff. All right, guys. So then here's a big question for both of you, and I'll start with you, Pete. If 20, 2020 has been so uh, so great, right? Everybody's excited about twenty twenty. We've been trading our twenty nineteen picks for twenty twenty picks. I mean, it sounds like twenty twenty one is pretty loaded. Are we going to do that every year, or is this a time that we should be taking advantage? Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think there's always kind of that infatuation with, uh, you know, whatever year plus one. Uh, but even, you know, right now you can be dealing players, maybe a guy who's not going to be uh, a superstar in a few years. And, you know, you should be getting a little bit depressed value for a, a draft pick for 2021 when you're talking about a guy who's two years out from helping your team. Uh, so, I mean, if I'm in round two and I'm trading a pick, boom, I'm, I'm hey, man, give me that 2021 first instead of a second rounder. Sure. And you might be able to find a premium on that, too, because uh, one thing that I'm finding in in Dynasty is that we don't get these years back to back very often. I mean, mm. uh, 2019 was supposed to be down and we actually got some good gems out of it. Uh, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. Uh, we're getting a 2020 followed by 2021. That seems like they're both going to be highly sought after. So you should be able to get a premium in 2021 picks for your 2020 picks. And I've been talking about it a lot on Twitter lately. The top eight and Superflex are rock solid for me. I mean, they're going to move around, but those are can't miss guys. I mean, uh, from Burrow to Rager, those are guys that I don't think will, will fail uh, regardless of the situation in most cases. So if I get outside of that, I might start looking and just get a huge haul in 2020. What do you think about that Dwight? Yeah, definitely. And, and, like like Pete made the point, you, you kind of play this game where you're just kicking the rock down the road is what it feels like, you know, because when ETN and, and Hubbard and Najee decided to stay, then Tylen Wallace, Devontae Smith, Sage Surratt, you know, these guys that were probably going to be drafted really high, you know, now we're going to 2021. And then in 2021, you know, you got all your 
your juniors, all those guys aren't going to come out either. So you're always going to play a little bit of that game, kicking the rock down the road. Sometimes you're better off just grabbing what you have right now, what's right smack dab in front of you. As much as I love Debbie and stuff, sometimes you can chase that. You can chase that elusive class. You know, you can push your your rolling bankroll down the lead, down the keep rolling it down the road. And each year you're going to be stuck with this big old bank full of fifteen hundred dollars and more players just keep rolling down the road. So eventually you just got to take what you got. Sometimes sure. you got a really good class this year, really good class next year. 2022 is pretty damn sick too. So like eventually you just got to get what you can get and get your return and just win, you know, cause I've seen, I've seen too many teams just play that game where they're always chasing that, that big class that big, you know, I want to build my team to win for the next five years. Well, the problem is you can keep doing that and you can keep doing that. So you got to be careful to avoid that sort of a vicious circle there. So, that's probably a little more in-depth than you wanted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing as too in-depth on Dynasty Owners, man. <laughs> Dwight went deep. All right, Chris, we're going to start with you. I want to hit my man Jay Mike's question real quick. So he says, besides a player ascending to the top of their position group, he uses Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas as examples, but those guys recently into the top of their position groups. What are some characteristics you look for in players or situations when opting to sell high? Uh, I think for me, it's uh, looking for clear outliers. I mean, I think uh, this so this past season, so guys like uh, so if we're talking about even in super flex leagues, we can go from guys like Ryan Tannehill to Derrick Henry to I mean even Christopher McCaffrey if you really want to talk about it. I mean, we're looking at guys that are coming off of these just I mean elite elite seasons. I mean for. Christian McCaffrey, it was a, I mean, it was a, it was a record breaking or not record breaking, but it was one of those like for the record books, like type of season. So when you, when you find somebody like that on your hands or even guys like, um, let's say Kenyon Drake, who had, I mean, like a value of absolutely nothing. But then as soon as the trade hit, like the very first night that he plays, like he completely just blows his value out of the water. It's guys like that, where, you know, you have, you've, you've turned nothing into something or even guys that you knew were going to be or were productive players beforehand now have overproduced. So those are those are situations where I want to try and capitalize on. So the Raheem Mostert's, like some you know those guys, like where it was just you might have even picked them up off of your waiver wire, depending on your situation, depending on the league. But when you see situations like that, I mean the time is you know the time is now to like when you know you strike when the iron's hottest. And for a lot of those players and a lot of those situations, like when you identify those in some, I mean, it doesn't matter like the type of league that you're in. I mean, you could be in a league with just absolute cutthroats. I mean, just the savviest dynasty players, or you can be in like a more casual league where people are just trying to learn, uh, trying to learn dynasty and the ins and outs of trading. They might understand that you're selling high, but you don't know how they value that player. I mean, that you might not be able to get everything that you wanted for them, but being able to move them for a considerable amount is still something that's on the table. So you should at least offer. You should at least put them on the block and say that, all right, so I've got Christian McCaffrey. He's on the block. Send me your offers. Now, it, ain't nobody coming back and asking or like nobody's expecting you to send like five first or something like that. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, something that's reasonable to get the ball rolling, to get the conversation started. So when you when you find you have those situations on your hand, it, it's time to see what's out there and see what's available so you can get something. I mean, again, uh, reasonable in, in return. So those are the things that I'm looking for. And Dwight, how do you know when uh, when your guys get into the cliff and you should sell before it starts falling down it? You just, uh, <clears throat> sorry, always sell, always sell, always sell. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
All right, Russ. Like all right. <laughs> there are those owners, but yeah, just exactly what Chris said. I couldn't say it any bit better, man. You got to look for those outliers, those systems. Like you know, you have to think there's some sort of a drop off coming this year for the Chargers offense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's just, just things like that. You know, but unfortunately, now that we know for sure that Rivers is out, you probably missed your sell high window on guys like Keenan Allen and stuff like that. So, yeah, you want to look for those outliers, the guys that scored, you know, 12 touchdowns on 60 catches, you know, stuff like that. I'm drawing a blank as names examples right now, but, like, so that type, the the outliers, the the, the crazy, non-sustainable, you know, seasons like that. Is that kind of what doesn't really – Exactly what Chris said. Chris is a smart man. So. Yeah, I just I just piggyback off Chris. That's pretty much my life. Pete, what do you think? <laughs> I, 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 you know, we're we're just going to continue with that. Just the, look for those outlier seasons, things that mm-hmm. aren't going to continue. I think JJ Zacharyson just this week talked about the Titans' offense from when Ryan Tannehill took over. I think they had thirty something trips to the red zone and only kicked one field goal. Wow. So that ain't going to continue. That that team is not that good to to continue some insane pace like that. Um, Aaron Jones, I I, I like me some Aaron Jones, but I don't think that pace is going to continue with the touchdowns either. And but and he had touchdowns, some, man. Yeah, can't, yeah. That percentage wasn't actually that high. No. Um, when I look at the wide receiver, um, that that's a little bit tough. I don't think there was any crazy outliers at wide mm-hmm. receiver this year. Um, but I got you know, one. Hit it up. I don't. I just think Kenny Galladay with the eleven touchdowns. Exactly, he's the one I was thinking. Oh, that's a good one. He had so many targets. So this was prompted by an argument with uh, Allen Robinson versus Kenny Galladay, and I wanted to take Allen Robinson in a mock. I just missed that he was there, Uh, so I ended up taking Kenny Galladay. And I'm not a Kenny Galladay hater by any means, and he's getting Matt Stafford back, so fantastic. But between the two players, Kenny Galladay, I think just edged out Allen Robinson. And he had 11 touchdowns to Allen Robinson's five, I believe. So if those even out, then you want those 30 extra receptions from Allen Robinson that you're not going to get from Kenny Galladay. Mm -hmm. I pointed out that Kenny Galladay had four receptions for 158 yards. The next week he had six receptions for 58 yards. That's a tough, that's a tough player for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to win you weeks and that's fantastic. If he's your wide receiver three wide receiver four, but from my wide receiver one or even my wide receiver two, I need that 12 to 16 points a week. I need yeah. it every week. Yeah. And then what what I think might have prompted this question a little, and I think it's a great discussion for us to have, is a trade that me and Jay Mike tried to work on earlier, and we just couldn't get there because it was so difficult for both sides. This, this trade involved DeAndre Hopkins. So Jay Mike wanted to send J- uh, DeAndre Hopkins for my DK Metcalf in the 105, I think it was a very fair offer and it comes down to yeah. philosophy and it comes down to team. And it was just so hard for either of us to pull the trigger mm-hmm. or to add anything when both of us wanted to uh, just get a little extra to make us feel good about it. And the reason is because the top five in Superflex is going to be two QBs and three running backs. I think that's pretty much set in stone in my opinion. Tua might not necessarily go 102 depending on what situation he goes to. If he's going to back up for a year, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But that means that you're going to get a quarterback with a, with a, top five pick that's fantastic i'm gonna get one of three running backs who i think are very very similar at this point in time that is jonathan taylor that is deandre swift and that is jk dobbins i need running back and quarterback very bad in that league but i do not recommend drafting for need necessarily in rookie drafts just take the best player take your profit however 
if the best player is a QB or running back, that's huge for my team because I have Stefan Diggs, I have Juju Smith-Schuster, I have uh, Keenan Allen, uh, one more top-end guy, oh, Mike Evans. So, you know, if I'm sending the 105 and DK Metcalf, who I think is going to be fantastic next year, it's, it's just it's really tough when you have DeAndre Hopkins on the end there and turning 27. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, 27 is right around where – these wide receivers are really start to take off. That's that's prime territory. So yeah. all this to say, it maybe it is time to sell on DeAndre Hopkins. And if you do sell on DeAndre Hopkins, you might get the next DeAndre Hopkins with DK Metcalf. At least he looked like he might have that sort of potential. And then you get a running back like J.K. Dobbins. So that might be something to look into if you think you have one of those wide receivers towards that cliff. Nook will never be higher, right? Yeah. And I think that's the I mean, that's the overarching, I guess, theme to what all of us have been saying tonight is that honestly, look at look at some of these assets that you have that just happen to pop off like, you know, sometime during the season, whether it's from like over a long over the entire season. So somebody like Christian McCaffrey to somebody that did it in like short spurts, like your Ryan Tannehill's, your A.J. Brown's, your Raheem Mostert's, I mean, you know, Kenyon Drake, like some of those guys. But either way, I mean, honestly, like honestly, look back at their season and ask, like, is is this something that you expected or that you can see happening again in 2020? And if the answer is no, I mean, be honest with yourself. I mean, look at look at their production. Look at how they scored their points. It was like mostly through touchdowns, like Pete brought up Aaron Jones. I mean, like if there's if that's the case, if that's how they made their hay in 2019 and it's less likely that they're going to be able to do it in 2020. Then yeah, it's kind of time to it's kind of time to move on, or at least see what the market is like, how the market is valuing them, so you can get as much of a return on your investment as you possibly can. Absolutely. All right, guys, we got one more question before we get to the uh, to the rookie draft. This comes from Kamish McGriff, prepping for rookie drafts. What draft pick is the break where you are trying to move up in drafts or move those picks for vets? Pete, where's that pick for you? Uh, for super flex, probably right around that 107, 108 range, I'm going to guess, because we've talked about that, you know, to uh, Burrow. We talk about the running backs, Lamb, Judy, and then I think there's a, a, enough of a break where I would be fine if I'm uh, moving up or if I'm moving back. That's where I'm considering it. Yeah, I, it's exactly where I was thinking. The, the first seven is pretty much I don't want to move out of the seven unless I get like a crazy good deal or something. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but then beyond that, I think the the players from eight to like twenty four are all just really they're really good players, and you can hit on anyone from eight to twenty four. So those are the ones that I would be more apt to move. Although I might be more apt to grab more of them just because I do like the talent in this class and the depth of this class. Um, eight twenty four are probably not going to be your superstars, but they also could be. So yeah, I think they're right there. The seven, the seven to the eight is where I would start moving picks. So. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I agree. I agree with both of those sentiments, like from Pete and Dwight. I think in uh, Superflex, like one hundred seven, one hundred eight, that's to be about like about the tipping point where I feel that moving back would be just as advantageous mm-hmm. as like holding put, holding Pat and trying to make a selection. Uh, if I was doing like standard, cause I, I do, you know, I'm kind of a nerd and like I play in those regular, <laughs> but I might be a little bit earlier than that. Uh, mm-hmm. so like maybe the one Oh five ish one Oh six, like somewhere in there. So I'm trying to think back to last year's draft. And if I was like somewhere around, like where was miles Sanders going? One Oh five. 
four or five. Yeah, four or five. You got up there. Yeah, I think it was like like somewhere like after that, it was kind of like, well, like maybe I'll just kind of hold, see if I can move back yeah. to like maybe an early second or something like that. So I think it was about like the Miles Sanders, like shortly after that, like break point where I was just like, yeah, I can, I, you know, I'll see if I can move back. So yeah, I feel that's about about right. Last year was so tough. When I visualized last year, I just feel like I saw so many holes, like so many yeah buts. And I liked a lot of guys. Uh, Josh Jacobs was the 101 for me. I was a big Nikhil Harry fan, even though he wasn't my 101. But I didn't feel like there was a single rock-solid player. And now I feel like there's eight. If Rager's off the board, I'll trade. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. Um, That's why the 105 was just so hard to move because the top five is – just amazing to me and then i think there's a little tier break between the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers just because my dynasty philosophy is to use rookie running backs to win um so i consider rookie running backs to also go towards a win now mentality because they are the cheapest uh the cheapest way to find that level of production you can find a running back one and a rookie draft you're probably not going to find a wide receiver one in a rookie draft probably not going to find a quarterback one in a rookie draft so that's where I try to find my running backs because it's just so difficult. You can't trade for Christian McCaffrey. You can't trade for Barkley. If you trade for Mixon or Fournette, you're paying a premium and you're going to see them get contracts or not in the next year or so. So those running backs have a premium. Small tier break for me. Three wide receivers are very close in Judy, Lamb, and Rager for me. After that, I will trade. But I will say, like you said, Dwight, you could hit on – you could sprinkle second-round picks and early third-round picks – have five six of them and you might get an absolute stud that that's it's that type of draft so i mean i got jarvis landry at the 207 one year and martavis bryant at the 208 both of them were hits at one point i mean obviously martavis bryant got himself in trouble but he looked promising so it can happen you know those picks Mm -hmm. aren't worthless so if you have a lot of expendable vets that you don't think you're going to be using i would be trading them for as many seconds as i could get yeah yeah All right, gentlemen, it looks like we're about ready to start this uh, this mock-up. We're going to go clockwise, which means absolutely nothing to the listener, but we're going to start with Chris. <laughs> you have the almighty 101, and remember, old man, it is super flex. It is super flex. I don't know why it's really hard. Like Do you need time? We can pause. Um, I'm gonna need like a whole lot of time for this. I mean, because I mean, super flex, <laughs> it like it absolutely changes like who you're gonna pick at the one. No, I'm just playing. I'm taking Swift. Stop it. That's, I think this is a great spot if you're at the 102 mm-hmm. um, because you're just sitting there. It's it's either Burrow or Swift. And in a super flex, I think they're kind of both right around that same point uh, of value. So Joe Burrow, uh, you know, come on out. All right, that puts me on the clock. And you know what? That 101 and 102 is actually a little harder than, than you would think because you would think it's the quarterback, right? It's super flex. But mm-hmm. if their ADPs the next year may not reflect that at all. I mean – all depends on situation for Swift, yeah. Yeah, it's way easier for a running back to climb the ranks than a quarterback. Um, let's assume that Tua gets a good spot because I think we'll go to the Dolphins, and I'll take Tua at 103. You're up, Dwight. Real quick, did Chris take Swift? Mine, mine cut out a little bit. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, sorry. My internet sucks out here. Out in the middle of nowhere. All right, guys. I thought about putting my money where my mouth is, but I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor here. I think the premium on running backs is way too high. And I was just doing a write up on him today. And just he's he's just an amazing back. What he's done in three years. The fumble issues are always gonna be an issue, but 
good lord, that kid can run, man. He's like the best, probably the best pure runner in this class. So mm-hmm. I'll take JT at four and just be happy. Yeah, I think that, I'm fine with that. Uh, so back around to me at what? Where are we at? Five? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Um, so at five, I'll probably I'll man, I I feel weird like taking two running backs, but I think I'll take Dobbins here. Like at this point, at the at the yep. one hundred five, I like it. Like I don't I don't see, and I remember hearing like the comparisons between like him and Zeke since they went to the same school, and I thought that was lazy as all hell. I just I I never saw that. Like I live in Ohio, and like I don't, I never saw that. Uh, but I guess people just want to believe whatever. But either way, like I still think Dobbins is good enough to be a three down back, not in the same, not on the same level as Zeke. But I still think that the traits are there that he could do it. So yeah, I'll take Dobbins here. And I'll, I'll happily step out, go with the first wide receiver and CD Lamb. And I have not heard the Zeke Elliott. Uh, you know, maybe be, I'm a little lucky up here in the Pacific Northwest, but I do not see Dobbins and Zeke on that same same tier. Which is good. Hey, yeah. even even to the same as you know, Swift is getting all this love right now. And if you have that one hundred and one, and it's not a super flex, heck, even in a super flex, I think you can get a haul for that because mm-hmm. a lot of people are thinking Swift is Barkley, Zeke, one of those generational, and, and he's very good, but I don't think he's that. Uh, but going with Ceedee Lamb, uh, Dwight hit him up earlier in this episode, and it's a, it's an easy pick right there. Oh man, you made it easier for me because I promised <laughs> CD people I am I'm close. I'm close to CD over Judy, but ah, it's so hard for me. I'm going to take Jerry Judy with my pick. I, I he's still my wide receiver one. It's so close. There's they're rock solid. I can't really find flaws in either of them. So I'll take Jerry Judy. All right, I like it, man. And I will go with my boy Ray Garvin's boy. I'll go Jalen Rager here at number eight. And I am just super happy. Just the things he does on tape this year was not a good indication of what he can do. Like we mentioned earlier in the show, the early breakout age, the things he does with the ball in his hand is just he has a chance to easily come out of this class as the best wide receiver if he lands in the right situation. So I will take Rager here and leave a hard decision for Chris, man. What are you going to do? Are you going to go another quarterback? Uh, no, I'm not taking any quarterbacks now at this point. I don't want any quarterbacks. Like, uh, I think I'm just going to keep like hitting like running backs and wide receivers at this point. So let's see. So Rager's off the board. Can't take my guy's CD. Judy's gone. Uh, man, it's I feel it feels early for somebody like uh, Lavishka. I feel like it's a bit early. It's close. Uh, but I'll probably I think I think Justin Jefferson feels right. That also feels a little early if I'm thinking about it though. Uh, but I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Justin Jefferson. My I guess my only my concern with Justin Jefferson uh, at this point. Oh, his breakout age actually wasn't horrific if I'm not mistaken because I think he broke out at 20, so it's not horrible or anything like that. But I do wonder like this past this past season like how much of that how much of that production like came. And I know people have been speculating about this for, for, uh, for a little bit, um, like comes from the game plan that they put together for, for Joe Burrow. Like how much of that was more of just the fact that they wanted to try and push that offense into being this more like high flying, like type offense, but like Justin Jefferson, I mean, he still checks most of the boxes that you want for a wide receiver. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with JJ right there. Nice. I think Chris just brought up an interesting point. You're in a super flex um, and I'm sure in the next few months we're going to start hearing more about Jordan Love. Uh, people are going to get hot on Jacob Easton. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Jake Fromm, uh, and you know, and I'm sure there's another one or two guys who you're, you're going to hear more about. 
which is just going to keep pushing value down your draft boards. And if you're at this point in the draft, I don't want any of those guys. I'm happily taking Cam Akers, Florida State running back. Talked about him earlier. And, I mean, it's super flex, and, I, and I'm getting Cam Akers here in the later part of round one. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, and, good pick. And there's still so much value. I mean, Chris talking about LaVisca Chenault, all these guys who are just getting pushed down the draft board, yeah. and I'm sure we know who Adam's about to take. So, yeah, and, and I'm sure of this. There's going to be dudes in your fantasy leagues taking Jordan Love, taking Eason at the end of round one come draft time. That's such a great point. And you know what? It really just doesn't work out for for more than two quarterbacks. I'll I'll try to dig into this and bring it to the next episode, but I'm just going to say we're probably not going to see more than two quarterbacks be productive, and it, they're not worth taking in the first round of your super uh, super flex rookie drafts. But they're they're just probably not. I mean, they will they can be good. I'm not saying that any other quarterback outside of Tua and Burrow cannot be good, but they're probably not going to have ADPs higher than any of the players that we're about to take in this first round at maybe any point. Besides some of the busts that we see, maybe sit two years from now they're sitting at 280p. Sure, that happens. But your best bet is going to be taking one of these skill position players like T. Higgins. That's who I'm going to take here. T. Higgins. Watching him, watching him play at the end of this year was just. I I wanted to be higher on him, and I'm not as much into film as I am into analytics and I listen to more analytics people, but something about him instills confidence in me drafting T Higgins. The guy just, he, he's six, four. You love the height, uh, 200. That's okay. For, uh, for a wide receiver. I wish he would get a little bit bigger for the NFL, pretty fast guy, but his hands are spectacular. So very confident with T Higgins here. He's probably right at that range where I'm ready to start trading the pick though, or trading back. Think, yeah, but Blake? the college he went to, I mean, have you, can you name like one good wide receiver that went to his college? I mean, honestly. <laughs> that would be tough. You know, that's actually a pretty popular trivia question now. People love that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then I'll wrap up this first round. And I, I heard what you just said, Adam, but it is a quarterback's world. Like it Maybe. is still. And there is, if I'm sitting here at 12 and I have to wait back to, if my next pick is 212, I know there are still five running backs sure. I like. Six wide receivers I like, and I know I'm going to get at 12, and I'm going to take Justin Herbert because okay. some team is, is going to love this kid, and he's got a lot of the things that you like, the leadership. He started a ton of games at Oregon. He's got a pretty good arm. He showed some mobility this year. I don't. He's a prospect that I don't love, love, but it is a quarterback's world, and he is going to be a decent quarterback. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire, but I, am, I would gladly take Herbert here at 112 and just be happy as heck knowing that I at least got one starting quarterback out of this draft because past, past Burrow and Tua, he, he's the only other. I mean, I think everybody wants to talk about Jordan Love's intangibles, and given the right system, he could flourish, I think. But I think Herbert's probably the only other quarterback that will come out of this draft as being a starter. So I will take Herbert at 112. Hey, let's uh, open forum real quick before we get out of here because we could put my – we can put my theory to the test real quick right now. I mean, we had five drafted two years ago, right? So we had mm-hmm. uh, Josh Allen. We had uh, Lamar Jackson. We had Sam Darnold. We had Baker Mayfield. And we had Josh Rosen. What were the skill position players in that draft? Two years ago, Dwight skill position players in that draft. Two years ago. Sorry, I lost you for a second there. <laughs> So I just mentioned the five quarterbacks drafted two yeah, years ago. Yeah. We're just open for them here, trying to brainstorm. 
You're gonna do the, the, on the spot. Nick Chubb. Let's Nick talk Chubb. about Nick Chubb. Boom. Okay. Yeah, Barkley. 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 Was it Barkley? Was it Christian Kirk? Yeah. Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. He yeah he bumped a little bit yeah yeah talking about him. Okay, uh, so out of those guys, I mean, Josh Rosen really never got a shot. Wasn't really fair. Baker really faltered this last year. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen has been surprising. I mean, we all hated Josh Allen. If you say you didn't hate Josh Allen as a prospect, you are a liar. Um, Sam Darnold got mono i don't know how a season would have ended up i mean it has to suck to lose six six weeks in the middle of your season but saw ghosts man he did not look great at all (laughs) he did not look great at all so i mean to me it looks like those top end guys were way better picks than those quarterbacks besides obviously lamar who you weren't even picking as the first quarterback in that draft actually so no and rosen who didn't really get his fair shake but yes the your boy That's, Rojo. God oh God. goodness! Oh, I, I had a question earlier. I wanted to get from you, Dwight. Uh, the question was, "Oh, Keyshawn Vaughn or Rojo?" Straight uh, up. Me, yeah, to me, it's Vaughn. Yeah. Vaughn's Vaughn's got promise. I I don't think Rojo does. I've sure. never been, I've never been a believer in him, though. I don't know. Like you see some things you like from him, and and. But I, I would still take the unknown of Keyshawn Vaughn right now. Landing spot will obviously be a huge thing. So Absolutely. right now, today, I would take Keyshawn. So. Okay. What about you, Pete? Oh, um, man, that's tough for me. I, 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 I don't have a great answer for you right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just Probably most disappointed by my, my UW bias. I totally forgot about Justin Herbert earlier in the night. Fair. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Herbert could end up panning out. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for coming on with us. I'm so happy to be hearing Devi Manuel again. Oh my goodness, I love you guys' show. I'm so happy that Pete jumped on. And since you jumped on, Pete, where can we find you? What would you like to plug? What you doing? What's going on? Uh, yeah, so I'm mostly over at uh, Dynasty League Football this day. These days, you can uh, reach out to me on Twitter uh, at underscore Pete Law. And uh, mostly just doing this right now. So just enjoying it and uh, kind of ramping things back up. What about you, Dwight? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at FFPeoplesChamp. Working at DLF doing, we're on the 2020 series right now. I got an article coming out about the 2022 Debbie class. Uh, Also doing a little bit of IDP work. I got some review of some linebackers, things like that. So that's where my rankings are. And yeah, just, just, just grinding, man. Ready, ready for the draft. Ready for this pre-draft stuff to be over and the buzz and the hype. Just kind of ready to get it over with, man. Ready to get to the actual drafts. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right, Chris, you want to send us out here like normal? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so, yeah, um, Adam, I mean, for the folks who don't know, uh, Adam is about to go through a fairly you know major life change uh, here within the next couple of weeks. He's having his first child. So uh, much love and congratulations to both him and thank his lovely you, wife. Thank you so much. And, uh, so it might be that you might just hear me in your ears. Uh, I might be rolling solo uh, for a few weeks while Adam is taking paternity leave from his job as my co-host. Uh, but I'll try and get as many of uh, the fine folks in the fantasy community to help uh, balance out my wildness or my wild takes. So I'm, uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep this pod rolling. 
Uh, if uh, you can't find us, definitely come and hit up uh, our brothers over at the Debbie Owner's Manual. Uh, so yeah, but for, for Adam, uh, for, for Pete, for Dwight, uh, I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Chris, uh, at Chris Allen, FFWX. Uh, we catch y'all for, we thank y'all for tuning in. We'll catch y'all next week. When it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Dynasty. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic, dynasty, it's automatic.